Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Please do me a big favor by sharing and also tagging friends who really enjoy our information. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and syndicated on missionsradio.org and liveleadplay.com. If you're looking for a speaker or leadership development trainer for your organization or next event, please go to my website at integrativeminds.com to learn more about what I offer. Contact me at info at integrativeminds.com to schedule a meeting time to see how I can help your organization or event. And as always, please check out my Amazon number one best-selling book called Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership. 15 Simple Tips Successful Companies Use That Families Can Implement at Home. It's on Kindle as well as paperback, and the link to purchase the book is in the show notes. If you are a single mom and live in the Los Angeles area, please join our Facebook group called the Best Single Moms of LA South Bay Tribe and join us at our monthly luncheon in Redondo Beach. And we also have uh, some events in the summer like hiking, bringing your kids together and having fun. So today we have a awesome guest. She's going to talk about disciplining and getting the best results. She has grown tired of hearing all the blah, blah, blah about how awful life was as a single mom. And me being a single mom, I completely agree with her. How our children are going to grow up to be horrible failures and all these statistics saying that they've got everything against them because we're not married. So having raised three children as a single mom, she knew this opinion was incorrect. So she launched her company, Single Moms Ask Sarah, to change this perception to empower women with the knowledge and confidence they need to be kick-ass single moms. With nearly three decades of experience as a behavioralist in the field of developmental disabilities, she trains other single moms on the inner workings of behavior so they can move their families from chaotic and stressful to peaceful and loving. She is also the author of The Single Mom's Guide to Getting a Degree and The Single Mom's Guide to Getting a Degree Companion Workbook. She's earned two degrees as a single mom, is a sought-after speaker and workshop facilitator. She also supports a single mother through a self-paced program and personal coaching. And she has a new podcast called Kick-Ass Single Momming. It launches in May 2018. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Sarah Sherman. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Hi. How are you? Welcome. One single mom to another single mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very excited to be here. Me too. I think you are a kick-ass mom, whether you are single or not. That's true. That is very true. What you have accomplished in your life, getting two degrees with your podcast, your blogging, everything, it's amazing. And I know your kids are kick-ass themselves. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Uh, my, my kids have uh, uh, 
a good number of accomplishments under their belts already. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, if I were married, I often wonder, would I have been able to accomplish as much? Because I didn't have to worry about uh, meeting another adult's needs, just my kids and my own. And I think that that freed me to kind of go in the directions that I wanted Absolutely. to go. Absolutely. You're right. As a single mom, we know we're it. Like there's no backup. For me, there's more drive. And with that drive comes That's true. comes that passion. And then you're like, I have to find my purpose because I have to be the role model for my children. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Studies show actually that kids of single moms tend to view women as strong just in general. And, and obviously that's why. Yeah. So let's talk about the statistics that you and I know that we're doomed as single moms and our children are going to be pregnant by the time they're 16, drug addicts and white in jail <laughs> or right, something. That's yeah. High school dropouts, morbidly obese and all, all, all of the like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that used to be what was said. And I, I have a long spiel on why I think that was the case. But the recent studies actually show that the deciding factor for children's success is that parent-child bond. So whether the parents are married to each other or not, it's that bond that is the greatest predictor. And as long as that bond is there, children raised by single moms or single dads are not at any more risk for all of the things that we hear about than married parents' kids. There are kids in married family that probably are not very healthy. That's correct. I mean, to assume that simply because there's there are married parents in the home that the kids are going to be perfect. Like we, we know that that's not true. We know that's ridiculous. You know, I know children who have addictions and who have weight issues and who didn't graduate from high school. And, and many of them had very involved married parents. Uh, it wasn't, you know, the, that didn't guarantee them anything more than it does for children who, of unmarried parents. So we're talking about that bond, right? That the bond that you are going to create between you and your children, that is the deciding factor is what research are showing. That's the greatest predictor of success. Yes, absolutely. And I think that bond is, it's just a human thing. That's right. We've known for a long, long time, uh, you know, even when I was a parent, we're told, make sure that you tell your kids what your expectations are, because we know that that's the greatest predictor. Your kids may act like they're not listening. They may be annoyed by what you're telling them or demonstrate that they're annoyed. But when it comes right down to it, and it's time to make decisions about drugs and alcohol and sex and stealing and all those other things, we've known for a long, long time that clear parent expectations drive those decisions in the end. Yep. And being connected and modeling behavior, right? So if you don't want your kids to be drinking out of control, then don't let them see you coming home drinking or using alcohol as a stress reducer. Because I know a lot of parents will come home and say, oh, I need to drink because I had such a hard day at work. But then you expect your kids not to drink when they had a hard day at school. <laughs> That's right? correct. That's correct. So, you know, what I say is your kids are always, always learning from you. As a parent, we tend to think of it as very... Um, separated functions. So we tend to think, okay, I'm going to teach my kids something right now. So we kind of envision ourselves putting on our teacher hat and we're going to teach them something. And then when we finish with that lesson, we envision in our minds, we took off the teacher hat and now we're just going to go live our life. You know, we're going to do our thing. The problem there is that the kids don't see the hat. So they're learning from you no matter what you're doing. So it, uh, your point is, is so valid that you have to 
be paying attention all of the time. You gotta live the life that you want your kids to live too. That's right. That's right. When my kids were in high school and they had tons of homework, I rarely ever got to watch television because I certainly couldn't be sitting there watching TV and expect them to not be watching it and doing their homework instead. So the TV wasn't on. Uh, so I, I also missed all the popular shows of that time. <laughs> hey, I don't even know what's on TV right now. I just went to an event that had stars there. It was helping out. And they were saying, oh, that's this person's show. I'm like, you know what? I My daughter's 13. I haven't watched TV probably for 14 years. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I went to the movie theaters. <laughs> oh, absolutely. My kids still laugh at me because, you know, people will say, have you seen this movie? And if it was on television, I saw parts of it as I walked through the house, you yeah. know, when it would be on, you know, you stop for a couple minutes and watch something. Or in our minivan, it would be on while I'm driving, you know, and they're watching the movie. And I can tell you, I had nearly the entire script of The Incredibles memorized <laughs> before I actually ever saw it. <laughs> It looked very different in real life than it looked in my head while right. I was driving down the road. Yeah. And, you know, I think for you and I, because we're entrepreneurs and we are really passionate about what we do, for me, would I rather sit down and watch some movie right now or would I want to watch a, um, a TEDx video about <laughs> that's something right, yeah. that's amazing, right? I'd rather do that. I'd rather read a book. Yes. I read a lot of books article. while they watch TV. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What does research show now about single moms and how we're raising our kids? How are our kids coming out? So the latest research is showing that kids who are raised by single moms are often harder working, more independent, and they have a greater understanding of the value of the dollar. That's what we are. We're That's independent right. <laughs> on working. So they're emulating what they're seeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it, overall, there is a great decrease in the number of chores that American kids do. And we all know that learning to do chores is a big predictor of success in adult life. But single moms, you know, everybody's pitching in a bit more than they would be under other circumstances. And so our kids, you know, it kind of put, gives them an advantage in that regard, ah. instead of the disadvantage that some of society might perceive that they have. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a must in our family. I can't do it all by myself. Absolutely. And I, you know, I was raised that way. I'm, I'm from a rural area. You know, I come from a long line of farmers and we lived in the country on a big piece of land. We didn't have, we, it wasn't a farm, but we had a massive garden. Like everybody had to cook, clean, pick, shuck, whatever it was we were doing. And so that's part of what kind of set me off with all of this because I thought I'm not raising my kids any differently than I was raised. Absolutely. And I actually, you know, with degrees, had more money than my family, you know, growing up had, you know, we, I used to scrape the ice off the bedroom wall in my, in my bedroom. You know, my kids have the benefit of a nice warm house. It's just more in your execution. It's not your marital status. Right, right. So let's talk about this disciplining and getting mm -hmm. the best result. How can single moms or even parents effectively walk this fine line between being loving and disciplining? Because I think a lot of parents feel like if they discipline, they aren't being loving. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's what I hear from single moms all the time. You know, I shouldn't have to be the bad guy. I should get to be the, the loving, nurturing one. Yeah, the fun one, the, you know, the one who provides comfort. And, you know, that's the environment that I grew up in. My dad worked. Uh, my mom stayed home for a lot of my childhood. And my mom would say, you know, wait till your father gets home. And we would be afraid of my dad when we walk in the door. And my poor father, you know, came home from a hot, crappy factory job. And the first thing he gets is this litany of crap that his kids have done wrong. And of course, you know, he was quick to dole out the punishment because, you know, he wanted to get it over with himself. And who wants to hear that when you first walk in the door? 
that's not an approach that you and I can take, right? There's nobody else. And when we look at the definition of discipline, I think we tend to confuse it with punishment where discipline, if I always say, think about an athlete or, or an artist, you know, we recognize that they're really at the top of their game and they're really skilled because, you know, they experience discipline and with a coach and they didn't experience like heavy punishment was discipline. And that's really what we're supposed to do as parents. We're, we're in that coaching role and we provide that structure and support to build character, to help our kids, you know, hone their skills and get to the top of their game so that when they're adults, they're ready to step into adulthood and they know what to do and they can be very successful. So the first thing is just changing that mindset that the idea that you're not being loving and doing your job as a parent if you are providing discipline is incorrect. So the first thing is to understand that there is no line between the two. Discipline is a lot more than punishment and it really is your job as a parent. So that would be step one. So then what's the elements that's effective in disciplining? Because it's very different than punishment, like you and I were saying, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's so much involved. The place I tell folks to start um, is to start with consistency. And I, I break consistency down into four elements. You need to be consistent with your structure, with your voice, with your intervention, and with your consequences. And what that means is, you know, you set things up so that, you know, dinner time runs smoothly. You have a process for that time. Bedtime runs smoothly. You have a process for that time. So when you have a process and it's all clear and everybody knows the expectations, of course, things are going to run much more smoothly. I liken it to work. I mean, nobody is, everybody grumbles if their boss is inconsistent, you know, all over the place. One day you're supposed to do this. The next day you're supposed to do that. Like you don't know if you're coming or going, you don't know how to be successful and you're super frustrated. And when you're not consistent at home where you're the boss, that's how your kids feel. And, and we know from work, you know, you're, you're not going to hit the mark because nobody knows where the mark is, including the boss. So you have to prevent that at home. And that's very foundational. Yes, I agree. And that's one reason I wrote my book is how successful companies operate. And that's some of the key elements to bring home. And one of those things is that is having that consistency and and that pattern in that structure so the kids know when to go to bed, when we eat, what's expected of them. They have to help out with dinner and clean up and uh, and things like that. So I, I am right there with you. <laughs> and Absolutely. and the consequences, right? That's why you don't have to punish them because they know what happens if they don't do something. It's, it's in their power. We're not punishing them. They're making that choice knowing this is what's going to happen. And that's very different than punishing. Absolutely. And they know the good things that are going to happen as well. You know, consequences aren't just negative. There are positive consequences. So you got your homework done and maybe you get an extra half an hour of television or, you know, the family's going to play a game together or, you know, whatever it is that you set up that's meaningful for your family and for your children at that time. And then and then the other kicker is you got to follow through on it. Oh, right? yes. So you got to deliver the good stuff and you got to stick to your guns and the bad stuff. And that's super hard when your kids are mad and they're, you know, they're, I don't love you and they're angry with you and, you know, they slam things and they let you know you're not happy. And I just see so many parents these days who can't live in that discomfort. So you, you have to figure out what I call your big why. So why is it important that your kids have this? You know, yes, they're going to whine when it's time to turn off the television. I, I, when I turn it off, I'm not happy to turn it off either. 
but your big why is that you want them to be healthy. You want them to be educated. You want them to, you know, get good night's sleep. You want them, you know, so think about what you want them to do, what you want to have achieved. And then it gives you the strength and fortitude to stand there by yourself and look at the kid who's having the temper tantrum or yelling or complaining or slamming doors at you. But you know, you can stand firm in that because you know what they're going to get as a result, what the reward that they're going to get, even though they're a little unhappy right now. Yeah. When the first thing I ask families when I work with them is, what's your purpose? What's the big why? Right? Purpose is that why. And everything leads up to that. Core values is first. Why is the end? And that's the bridge that's in between. And you're so right about saying that. So this consistency that we talked about, why is it important? What does it create? What do you get when you're consistent, do you think? When you're consistent, everybody knows what to do, you know, so that you just eliminate confusion. A confused mind doesn't take action, you know, yeah, so, yeah. you know, we, we both know that from marketing. So you, you apply the same. I mean, the rules, the rules of the world are the same. You know, all you're doing is changing the setting in which you're applying them. So there's marketing, there's business, there's home. It's the rules are all the same. So once you catch on to the rules, it's much easier to navigate through life consistency helps you, it gets you what you want. So that's your reward. You're consistent and you get the outcomes that you want. And I'm sorry, you asked me. I was saying, why is consistency important? And what do you get if you're consistent? So yeah, you get, you get the goals that you have for yourself and your family if you deliver consistently. Absolutely. I think it actually reduces the tantrum when oh, absolutely. You, it's, it's, I think that when you're not consistent, you're getting a lot of the tantrums and the, the eye rolling and all of this because you haven't set that boundary. But once they know and they can't, they know you're not going to budge, it's just a waste of time. Right. I mean, it's just like at work when the boss yeah. is consistent, we're all rolling our eyes and, you know, talking about what an idiot they are and kind of doing half of what's supposed to be done because it really doesn't matter and it's going to change the next day anyway. So it's the same, same behavior. You know, we might not, you know, jump on the floor and kick and scream. We will when we get home, but, but and, you know, not at work in front of the boss. Again, it, it's a confused mind. So kids have tantrums when they're overwhelmed. So when you keep changing the rules uh, and you keep changing the approach, then they just kind of, you know, spontaneously burst. And, and that's the tantrum that you see. You know, as a single mom, it is more difficult. It's like you said, we don't have that backup. And then we don't want to be look like the bad guy, especially if you have the, the dad that's like the Disneyland dad, the fun dad, and right, you're right. getting compared yeah. to them or something. So discipline can be really tough, and they might argue, especially maybe in the teenage years. Some of these moms mm -hmm. might have kids in the teenage years, which were dealing with hormones, too. So how <laughs> does a single mom face all of this alone, day in and day out? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, you know, for hormones, it's funny that you say that. So I used to tell my girls, take the choc eat the chocolate and take the pampering or you're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> now, pampering and chocolate have no power over boys. So my son was far much harder to work with as a teenager than my daughters. But, you know, they, they took the chocolate, they took the pampering, and we were all much happier. Or I did, whichever was necessary. But when the dad is doing something different, that is really tough. You know, I have certainly experienced that. We, we had issues around food. You know, my ex-husband did not live nearby and the kids my kids were very active in activities and you know he'd run a run through a drive-through every time he had them to feed them well I had two issues with that first of all one of my kids was a little chubby at the time and did not need chicken nuggets and fries and secondly 
they were going to do something physical after that. You know, they had a sports practice or something and they didn't have anything to run on. Their body had no fuel because they just ate a bunch of garbage. Yeah. So, you know, I talked to him, you know, and I said, you know, we have to remember that dads don't know any more than we do if they know as much and they don't talk as much as we do. So they don't talk to each other. They're less inclined to pick up a book. They're less inclined to learn about how to make all this happen. So I always, when I interacted with him, would give him some choices, you know, so he had some ideas of what he could, how he could solve the problem appropriately. So for the meal, you know, I said, you know, look, okay, so this one's a little chubby. It could be because she's getting ready to, you know, spur it up or what have you, but we we need to make sure that she has access to plenty of healthy food. And this is what the kids are going to go do. And I know you don't want them to be unhealthy either. And I know you don't want them to get into sports practice and not be able to do well because their body doesn't have any energy. So here are some things that we can do. I can keep them. If it's too difficult or too challenging, doesn't work out for you to, to get them access to you know, healthy food, I, I will keep them during those times. You could take them to Subway, which has healthier food options. You could pack. I frequently packed their food. I would take it to work with me. I would warm it up before I left work at the end of the day, put it in all the appropriate containers, and we would eat it together on the, on the ball field. So you could pack and, and have something appropriate. You could stop at the grocery store. There's lots of grocery stores now that have, you know, you can get yogurt and all kinds, you know, carrot sticks and whatever. Can... Absolutely. You know, and just stop there and pick up some things for them to eat. So these are some options that, that I can think of. You know, you might have other, other ideas, but here's, again, here's the end goal that we have to achieve. So you can achieve it on your nights or I can keep them and I'll achieve it. But for my, our children, this must be achieved what would you like to do? And you don't have to tell me right now because I tried not to back him into a corner ever. You know, you can think about what works for you. You can let me know what you want to do. So that's how I handled it with that issue. That's a lot of detail, but that's my, what was my focus in all issues with him? Here's what the, the goal is. Do you agree? This is an appropriate goal. Do you agree less than this goal is not appropriate for our children? Well, you can usually get by in that way because they don't want to destroy the kids, but they don't know what to do and they're embarrassed and it's not going smoothly and they feel overwhelmed as well. So do your best to have that conversation and decide how bad it really is. So if they sometimes had, you know, chicken nuggets and fries, fine. Every time's not okay because they, they should have an opportunity to be fun as well. So figure out where your threshold is and you can, and you have, and do your best to hold the line to the threshold. I think he knew I'd come through the phone and ring his nag if I got too much, but I tried not to, uh, I yeah. try not to, to do that unless it was necessary, but just give him some education, give him an out. Don't put him under pressure from a time standpoint and explain to him what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking it. So he doesn't think, you know, oh, well, she's just being a bitch again. Yeah. Now, those are the relationships that they're working together. But you and I know as single moms that there are many single mom relationship, parents divorce, that it's not workable or it's very difficult to work it out. And when it comes to discipline, you've got two households with different rules. Mm-hmm. Dad's house, the kids might be allowed to play video game all day long. Mom's house, they can't. There's challenge in that. What can you share with us and how you've navigated that and 
what advice you've given. Yeah, there's huge challenge in that. We've had conversations about the number of hours spent watching television. He opted for movies, you know, so it's two hours at a time right there. Uh, So we talk about that. You know, I had the good fortune that he was in the developmental disability field as well. And so he, he, you know, he could, he couldn't refute what I was saying, but under, if it was going to be that that's what was going to happen there and I wouldn't, didn't have the ability to control it at all, then I would compensate for it on my end. Yeah. We do less on my end. And, and it's not that we would sit there and look at each other on the couch without the television on, you know, we would go do something else. And yes, that is a pain. And yes, that is annoying. And yes, that isn't fair. But they're my kids, and I have particular goals for them. And so those are sacrifices I have to make. The idea that you don't have to do that and you're married is not an accurate picture either. The benefit you have is that at least you're not fighting about it every day, every time the television comes on. So, and if it was too bad, you know, I would, I would go to the court. I mean, I would, and I have on various occasions said, you can tell the judge why you find this to be okay. Well, they, they know, you know, nobody's going to say my kids should get to watch 20 hours of television in a row, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. how I'm going to parent. They're not yeah. going to stand in front of a judge and say that it is a pain. Right. They'll say something else, of course. But uh, but yeah. And nowadays, you know, it's not just watching TV. That's it's right. Video gaming. Screen time. Right. We know a lot of it is about video game. Yeah. Sometimes they say that, you know, depending on the games they're playing, it's actually better for them to watch a cartoon than playing some of these really rough and dangerous games. Absolutely. And if it were, you know, just try to compromise where you can, can yeah. you, can you agree to watch, you know, to, to, to only play certain video games? Can you agree to limit certain video games in favor of another video game? Right, when, right. You know, you're doing damage control to the best of your ability. Uh, the key is that you can't give up. Yeah, I agree. We have about four or five minutes left. I want to talk about your single mom, Ask Sarah, because I know oh, sure. that you've been doing it for a long time and it's really helpful. So can you tell us more about it and how we can listen to it? So the podcast is up May of 2018. The website has just lots of information uh, and articles. My, my free download for parents is the seven P's of positive parenting, where I go over in, in a bit more detail, some of the tricks. I say you'll have you know a calmer household by dinner. If you uh, read those seven P's and implement what's there, I have a particular formula that I like to use for giving praise. And I go over the one word that you should never say to your kids, just wipe it right out of your vocabulary. And I'll tell you, it's not the word that you think probably. Uh, that's what I have there. I have uh, programs. I'm just launching my Great Cooperative Kids program, which is 31 days. And it's a uh, more in-depth behavior uh, teaching opportunity for, for single moms. Again, you, you know, you're doing this all by yourself. So the more you understand about the inner workings of the components of behavior, the more tools you'll have in your tool chest for when you need to manage challenging behavior. So in just 31 days, I break down in bite-sized easy lessons what you need to, to understand in order to create that calm, peaceful home. So from consistency forward, uh, how to manage that. So it's kind of like, um, what was that lady's name? Joe, the nanny, <laughs> you know, kind of a breakdown of, of what she teaches and how to do it. And then how to take that information and apply it to, to every behavior. So you actually work with something that your kids do that you'd really like to change. And that'll be the exercise that you go through for the program. So I have that and a, a, a couple other programs there on the website. And just uh, I, I work to post a new article every month. So I just posted one this morning. 
in fact, that talks about four of those seven Ps in a little bit more detail. So that's what I have on my website. Yeah, awesome. And I like you said about understanding behavior, because the analogy I use is, look, it's like a car, you have to understand how the engine works, if you want it to perform better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a child's the same way, I think even more technical, because a child is developing every age, they're going, they're developing, and they're changing. And if you don't understand how it works, you're not going to understand how to navigate around the ever changing emotional. <laughs> right. So, so I think of it always as a detective, um, you know, and behavior is the same for adults. So as you get better at understanding the pieces, you, you, you make your adult relationships better as well. And it's emotional for us when, when, you know, you're tired and you just want them to do what you want them to do. And you want them to stop saying what you don't want them to be saying, et cetera. So you, you know, you have a personal reaction to that, an emotional reaction that you're tired, all of that comes out. So if you begin to look at it more scientifically and look at how the pieces move, like you're more watching a model or, you know, investigating a scene, then it takes the emotion away and you understand the logical pieces. And so you know what, to, I guess it's kind of like a giant game of Jenga. You know what to move and you know what the result's going to be because, because you pulled or pushed. And then you can work it like you work a recipe. You know, you can, you can just work it like as part of your regular part of your day. So something happens, you, you quickly understand, well, this happened because of this and this is what they did and this was the outcome. And I know if I move this piece right here, I'm going to get a whole different... Uh, reaction. And then we're just going to go on with our day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that fascinates me now is neuroscience. Uh -huh. Because it's every day, it seems like there's something they're finding out new. And you're like, Oh, I get it now. <laughs> that's why that's right, right. I mean, we thought the prefrontal cortex a long time ago that it was just form. And that was it. But we're about finding out now that it actually doesn't even completely form until 25 years old. Right. Actually, my mom always said that she she said, you know, kids don't have any sense till they're about 25. And I grew up hearing that, of course, prior to me turning 25. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember kind of when things just clicked together at that right. point in time. And your mom probably just figured out from observation, right? But yeah, now she had we four have, kids. She got yeah, it. Now, and now we have scientific proof that that's true. Absolutely. So I actually have a page on my website called Inside the Teenage Brain with a very detailed infographic uh, that another source shared with me to post about what kids are thinking and how their brain works at each age and why those teen years are just quite so challenging. <laughs> I, I have a teen, I, I'm officially a, a mom of a teenager now. So, <laughs> but, but luckily, you know, this is the nice thing is I've been learning this, all of this for mm -hmm. the last eight years. And so I'm right on top of it. I'm at least one or two steps ahead of her. So I don't have the challenges like other parents have at this age so far, cross my finger. Right. I mean, nobody comes out of the womb understanding all this stuff. You know, we, we kind of look at parenting as something that just happens and we view ourselves successful because our kids just kept getting taller. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're really parenting. It takes time, just like everything else, to learn the skill, to learn the pieces, to learn what's going on, and then to figure out what you need to do. And you have to do trial and error. I, I talk about scientific method in my programs. Like your kids are doing science experiments on you. Yeah. So your response has to be the correct response for in order for them to adjust their experiment and decide that they have new results. 
So you just have to take some time to learn how to do that. And that's why my program is just 31 days bite-sized lessons because you're busy. You don't have a lot of time. Yeah, and we don't. Parents don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of time and single parents have even less time. That's right. (laughs) So (laughs) listeners, Sarah's website is singlemomsasksarah.com. You can also email her. She's on Twitter and Facebook. She has a private Facebook group and Instagram and LinkedIn. All of the links are in the show notes. And Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show and getting to know you. I love talking to another cohorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline. Okay. And listeners, until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, Go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.